from from all of us losing our salvation and and uh, thinking that we're all gods. He kept our lifespan at 120 years for the time being until we get a glorified body. And so, uh, and and you can I've seen graphs, you know, and I've got some details in some of my notes that shows, you know, how they all kind of were about the same age. And then Noah happened, and then they started decreasing. They kind of then settled in around 120 years or so. Moses was 120 years. Uh, Joshua was 110 years old when he died. Uh, Abraham was, what, 187 years old or something to that effect. Um, and so uh, after Noah, things started decreasing. And then, uh, and it's pretty rare that you ever hear anybody living that long, right? I mean, 100 years old, you know, that, that's, you think somebody, wow, they really live 105 years old, you know. Uh, when was the last time that you've heard of somebody even living to 120? Uh, and even some of the, uh, I think there's like a Guinness Book of World Record that uh, there was some lady from France lived to like 123 years old, something like that. But they're pretty sure that it was actually her daughter that took over her mom's life, you know. Because, I mean, once you get to be 90 years old, they all look the same, right, I guess. And so, <laughs> so you know, it, so they're not really sure that it was her that lived to be that, that old. And so, uh, of course, we don't know. I wasn't there, you know, but that's what they suspect, you know. It's because, you know, the daughter was gone for a while and all of a sudden she, she, um, uh, she was never heard from again. But the mom still left, kept on living, so... Anyway, um, but God's our healer. He's been our healer. Uh, his desire and goal for our lives is, I think Moses is really the, the, uh, the, the best example of that because Moses lived to be exactly 120 years old, which is the promise that God gave to us in Genesis chapter 6. And the Bible says that, that his eyes were not dim and his natural force was not abated. When it was time for him to die, the Lord said, go up on, on the mountain, time for you to come home. And Moses went up on the mountain and, um, and went home. He, he got to see the promised land, and then the Bible says he died, you know. So how did he die? He just checked out, turned the light off, and walked out the door and went, went uh, into the realm of the Spirit. Uh, and I think that's God's best for his people, that we live long, satisfying, healthy lives until the end of our days, and, uh, and then we, we leave this earth and we go home. And I think as it gets closer to time that the Lord will start dealing with us, you know, need to get your affairs in order, it's time for you to come home. Yeah, but we do it at our choice. You know, Paul said that he didn't know whether he should stay or go. He said, it's, it's better to go because I can be with the Lord. But, but it's better for you if I stay. So he was trying to decide if he was going to stay or go. And that was when he was in prison. So they didn't kill him. He decided it was time for him to go home. You know, they, well, we killed Paul. Eh, you really killed Paul. You know, Paul just decided to go home when he decided to go home. You know, he said, I finished my course. I've run my race. I'm going to go home now. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, uh, we watched a uh, we watched a show at one time. It was Paul, uh, you know, about the Paul the Apostle. And to me, it's really disappointing because it starts out with he's in jail and he's really disappointed and disillusioned and, you know, kind of, you know, uh, not really happy in life. And uh, well, have you read the book of Philippians? He wrote it, you know, from the prison cell, right? He rejoice evermore. And again, I say rejoice. Uh, and then somebody got sick, you know, some girl got sick and and Luke, the doctor, healed her instead of Paul. You know, it's like, wow, it's not the way I'd have written any of that story. You know, they just made it all up, I know. But um, uh, so anyway, Paul was, was uh, uh, they couldn't kill him until he decided. And, and even uh, same thing with Peter. He said, you know, it's uh, time for me to go. I, I finished uh, my course. I've done all the things that I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go home. And then, they, of course, they crucified him. But they only crucified him because he decided it was time for him to go home. Uh, and, um, and, you know, there, there's things that, uh, we've, we've made mention of it before, like in the air of persecution. And I don't really have an answer for this. One thing that, you know, I've been kind of noodling on for, for years now, I suppose. But um, 
You know, when Jesus was persecuted, how many times did they try to kill him? Many times, right? They carried him to the end, sometimes to the end of the city, going to throw him off the cliff, right? And so, you know, it wasn't like right outside the door. They had to carry him some, down some street, up a hill, around a corner, you know, past a bakery and all those things. And then, um, uh, and he walked through the midst of them. And he did that every single time until it was time for him to go to the cross. Uh, but we never saw anybody do that in the book of Acts. And I've always wondered why that is that, you know, when they were like with James, you know, he was beheaded by Herod uh, and, um, you know, other, uh, you know, all the ones that Paul uh, persecuted, right, uh, up until Acts chapter 9. Nobody ever walked through the midst of, of, uh, of the people that were trying to, to kill them except for Jesus. And, and, um, uh, and I, my suspicion is that there's something there that we haven't gotten a hold of in the church. Uh, the Lord said that, uh, I mean, he, he said that, we would, that some of us be killed and sawn asunder, you know, different things. But he never said it was his will for that to happen. He just said that's going to happen, just like some people are going to miss heaven. It's not his will. It's just going to happen, right? That, that uh, He said all men not, uh, don't have faith. Uh, and so, uh, so I suspect there's something there that uh, a, a place of faith that uh, we can uh, aspire to of course, you know, most of our persecution that we experience in our lives here in, in America, somebody says something bad about us, you know, they post something mean on Facebook, you know, or, you know, I remember some, somebody showed me, they printed it out, they showed me a piece of paper, said, you know, something terrible about God, you know, God's, you know, not even real or something. And they were so upset. And I'm thinking, that, that upsets you? That, you know, I'm thinking, well, I mean, that, that's the worst they did to you is they said something about God. Not to you or about you, but something about God that you just happen to see and it really bothered them. Uh, and, um, you know, um, I mean, that's not persecution at all. That's just people being stupid. And so, um, so I don't know, you know, uh, if you have an answer for that, you let me know. But uh, I, I the Bible didn't really give us a whole lot of answers in that. But I'm wondering if there's not uh, some faith in that because Jesus wouldn't allow them to kill him because it wasn't his time, right? Uh, many times he said, it's not my time. Uh, and uh, he told Mary that it's not my time yet. Uh, and, um, you know, I think we should know when our time is. Uh, uh, Paul knew when his time was. Peter knew when his time was. Moses knew when his time was. Uh, now, you know, the vast majority of saints of old uh, died, you know, sometimes sick and feeble. And, and um, you know, uh, I mean, uh, Jacob died and he was uh, basically blind, right? Uh, uh, and... Um, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them died with some kind of sickness and disease. You know, uh, David died and he was frail and, and weak. Uh, Elisha died from a sickness, right? We don't know what the sickness was, but the Bible says that he was sick, aware of the sickness that he died of. Uh, now we know that uh, Elijah just went up to the chariots, right? Now he knew it was his time to go, right? Uh, remember, even the prophets told Elisha, hey, you know, your master's going home today. You go, yeah, leave me alone. I know that. Uh, and uh, and even Elijah tried to tell Elisha, hey, you go away, you need to leave me alone, I'm going to go spend some time with the Lord, and, and Elisha knew he was going to leave, he said, I ain't leaving you, because if I leave you, you're going to be gone, and I'm not going to get what I need, uh, and so, you know, so he knew he, w he was leaving, uh, and so, you know, I think that God's best for his people, his children that he loves dearly, is for us to know when our time is, uh, and, uh, and it should be, ideally, it's after we've run our course, after we've run our race, Sometimes, you know, there, there are stories. Uh, I know Brother Hagen would tell stories of, of this one fellow in particular. He was older and he got sick. Uh, but, you know, he had kind of turned his life around not long before he got sick. Uh, and, um, uh, but after he got sick, 
Brother Hagin started praying for him, and the Lord said, don't pray for him. He said he's in his best place spiritually there's ever been. Uh, and, you know, up to now, he's just lived sin and repent, sin and repent life. And now, right now, he's lived uh, for me the longest time he's ever done, so just let him come on home at this point because he's, he's leaving at a high spot, at a high point in his life. Uh, and so Brother Hagin could have, you know, uh, pressed the issue and uh, maybe uh, gotten, gotten the Lord to, to heal him. But the Lord said, you know, for him where he's at because of where, the way he's lived his life, that um, it, it's better for him to come home now because he didn't want him to backslide tomorrow, get mad again, become carnal again, and then cause a bunch of problems. And so, uh, so you know, I think there's uh, from the word of God and from the experience we see of the men and women of God of the Bible and then men and women of faith that we know that uh, we read stories of that have uh, been alive in our lifetimes or in, the, in times of history, uh, that uh, God's desire for us is to live strong, healthy, vibrant lives. Remember uh, Caleb, what, what he said? He said, I'm strong now at 85 as I was when, when uh, Moses sent us as spies. He's 85 years old. Give me the mountain. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to take them all, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, I love that story of Caleb there, right? Uh, and it's in Joshua chapter 14. And uh, I'm as strong now as I was. You know, I'm as strong now at 85 as I was, you know, 40 years ago before the wilderness, right? Um, you know, don't we all want to have that same testimony? I'm as strong now. Amen. You know, I don't want to become frail when I'm 85. Now, that was, you know, at that time, uh, of course, uh, Joshua lived to be 110 years old. Uh, so they lived a little bit longer than the average lifespan of, uh, of today, but not significantly. Uh, and I'm not sure if we even know how old Caleb was when he passed, but I know Joshua was 110 years old. Um, uh, and so he, so he was strong at 85. And, and he was not just strong, he was as strong as he was when he was 45 years old. You know, 45 years, that's your prime. But his prime, he was just starting in his prime at 80 years old. Of course, Moses, how old was Moses when he actually started his ministry? He was 80, right? Remember he, when he, was, he grew up in Egypt? And when he was 40 years old, he got the revelation that he was a, a Hebrew. And he went out and, and uh, tried to save, you know, or try to break up a fight between two uh, Hebrew boys there and uh, ended up killing uh, an Egyptian in the process. Uh, and then the next day, you know, actually well, well, the Egyptian was, was uh, attacking one of the Hebrew fellows and he, he ended up killing the Egyptian. The next day, there were two fellows fighting from, Hebrew, from Israel, and he tried to break it up. So what's wrong with you all? And they said, you're going to kill us like they killed the Egyptian fellow. So he ran out of Dodge, right? Because he, he knew that if they found that they killed an Egyptian, that uh, he would be, because even though he was, you know, uh, an adopted son, he was still an adopted son, right? They had to just cut his head off or whatever they do in Egypt, uh, bury him with a catch, I guess, you know. And so he took off for 40 years, right, in the backside of the mountain there. And, and uh, so when he was 80, the Lord appeared to him in the burning bush, right? So he, he, so he tried to start in his own strength when he was 40. That was a waste of time. And then finally, after 40 years of the Lord working on him, you know, and of course his, his father-in-law Jethro was a priest of Midian. And so uh, surely he had learned something about the Lord in his presence in those 40 years he was there. Uh, and um, started his ministry when he, was, when he was 80. And for the next 40 years, uh, was strong in his ministry until the very end, right? Led the, the nation of Israel out when he was probably 118, 119, maybe when he, when he was 120 even, you know. I mean, he was well over in his hundreds, uh, in his uh, past 100 years old when he led the nation of Israel out of Egypt. 
Uh, how many hundred years old, hundred year olds do you know that can lead a nation of two or three million people out somewhere and walk and then spend 40 years in the, uh, in the wilderness, right? Uh, and, uh, and so I think Moses is, a, you know, I think there's a lot more about Moses than we probably appreciate uh, because uh, I think he knew the Lord in a way that many people don't know the Lord, that uh, he was really close with him, right? Remember what the Lord said about Moses, that, uh, that he speaks to his prophets, you know, uh, uh, in visions, but he speaks to Moses face to face. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, Moses, uh, in fact, what Moses, remember, pro- Moses prophesied about Jesus. He said, there will come a prophet like unto me. So uh, he didn't say there's going to be this new prophet that's brand new that's never been seen before. He's going to be a prophet kind of like me. He's talking about Jesus, right? Uh, and, um, uh, and if you go in the New Testament, remember, they always asked, they asked John the Baptist, they said, are you that prophet? And when they asked him, are you that prophet? They were asking him, are you that prophet that Moses spoke about he said a prophet like unto me so that when they said that prophet they, everybody knew they're talking about the prophet that Moses prophesied about not other prophets that prophesied about prophets but specifically the one that Moses prophesied because Moses was the man still even for the nation of Israel when they were under the rule of, of the Roman Empire uh, and of course John said it's not me but Jesus was was that prophet right so you know Moses is uh, I think a great example and he wasn't even born again didn't have the spirit of God living on the side of him and the Bible says uh, in Romans chapter 8, that if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, that same spirit shall do what to your mortal body? Quicken. Quicken or make it alive. Well, Moses didn't have the advantage of having the spirit of God living on the inside of him to quicken his mortal body, uh, and, but we do. Yeah. And so, you know, why isn't the church, the church really should be living longer than the saints of old. You know, we should be living our fullness on, on, on the earth. Uh, it's pretty rare that you hear about that. But, um, you know, probably... More than anything, my observation has been that it's almost always our words that, that put us in the ground early. I'm getting older, you know, I just can't do that. You know, can't do like I used to do, you know. And, um, that's not what Caleb said. He said, I'm as strong now as I was when I, when I left Egypt, you know, when I, when I went out to spy the land, according to Moses. Um, but our words tend to cause us to leave this uh, life early, right? Uh, well, you know, I'm just not as strong as I used to be, right? Uh, and so, so, you know, I mean, all, all that's just, it's just information and, and, um, uh, but I think it's some things that we can aspire our faith to, to say, Lord, you know, what's, uh, what's the limit? You know, how, if I live fully in faith, how far can I go in faith, right? How far can I go in, in health, not just survive and exist, uh, you know, last 10 years on life support. Nobody wants to do that, right? Uh, you know, that's why that, that people have all these DNRs, right? Do not resuscitate. Why? Because they're sick, right? They're, they're sick, they're sickly, and then they'll, you know, they'll go into cardiac arrest or whatever, and they will, well, who wants to come back? You know, you're alive, but you're still near dead anyway, so, you know, and I understand that mentality, uh, but, um, you know, who wants to, to stay longer if you're, because used to be people who would just die and go home to be with the Lord, right? Now they die and, and they get shocked or get stabbed with something, a needle of some kind, and they can, get you another year or two out of your life, you know, even though you're just in bed with tubes all in you, but you can breathe for another year or two. Well, who wants to just breathe for two more years, right? Just go home. I mean, if you're just going to breathe in a bed for two years, you go home to be with the Lord. I'm not trying to kill anybody, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying stick a pillow on anybody's head or nothing like that. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, used to be there was a natural end of our lives, right? Now we can, we can extend that lives. And, and if it increases our, our, our um, uh, quality of life, well, that's fine, right? 
But if it doesn't change our quality of life, if it just extends our, our breathing on the earth, you know, I'm not sure that that's, uh, that that's a benefit to us, you know. And so you do whatever you want to is fine. I mean, none of my business. But, um, um, but I, I want to live long and healthy until my last day. And then the Lord put it on my calendar. I go, okay, Lord, you know, Tuesday at 3 o'clock. Yeah, that sounds good. You know, I'm not doing any. You know, I play golf in the morning maybe, you know, whatever. I finish mowing my yard by noon. And so, you know, 3 o'clock works good for me, right? Uh, and so you're not going to mow your yard on the last day, right? <laughs> you're going to let it go, right? I'm going to let it go. <laughs> just, just, just not even mow it for a whole week. Wow, just, you're, you're out of control, Miss Vicky. there. So, um, but, um, uh, and so, but anyway, praise God. The Lord is good. He's our healer, amen? amen. And we have a right to live that way. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I don't feel bad about it at all. You know, we get a lot of flack uh, in this church because we believe in healing, you know, and, and I don't care. Uh, because, I mean, I'm going to outlive them all anyway, because, yeah. I mean, they're already killed themselves by their words, so I'm obviously going to outlive them all. So uh, they'll get to heaven before me and go, yeah, I guess you was right, right? Yeah. Now, when I, when I catch up with them in heaven someday, because they're all going to get there before me, they'll be like, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I'm not going to hold it against them. So anyway, praise God. So you got your study guides now. So uh, th- that's for, for, the, uh, for uh, Dr. Yeoman's books there. Uh, and... Uh, um, so and we'll put this out on our website, too, so that people can download it. Uh, they can, they'll have access to that at some point in time. Um, and uh, that's just for your benefit. Uh, my goal in these things, uh, in these books, uh, it's really what the Lord impressed upon my heart, is to uh, gather the faith that these men and women of old uh, have documented in their books for, and applied to our lives. Amen? Uh, and so... Uh, to, to think that we can obtain all the revelation that we have need of through our own devices uh, is foolishness and, and uh, it's a sign of great immaturity. Uh, I want to learn what other people know because some of them spent decades figuring it out, you know, through prayer and hours and hours of spending time with the Lord and, and uh, putting uh, scriptures together that nobody has, has ever put together before. Uh, it's all been in the Word. None of, the, none of these doctrines are outside the Word of God. Uh, but they have spent their lifetimes trying to figure them out. Figure them out. And why shouldn't I just uh, take that and add that to my life so that I can then go on and learn other things? Because if I have to spend 40 years learning about some specific uh, part of healing uh, when I could read the same uh, revelation in a, one chapter in somebody's book, I could spend those 40 years learning something else and, and add that to the next generation. That's really the way the Lord intends us for us to do is to add to the revelation that our forefathers gave to us so that we can press on and, and learn other things. And you think about how much uh, the studying of the Word of God has improved just in the last you know 150 years or so, really from, um, uh, from uh, uh, Strong's Concordance uh, was really one of the great turning points in the studying of the Word of God. Uh, where he went through and documented, but he spent decades doing that. How long would it take you to go through every single verse and every single word and every single verse and then finding out the original uh, Hebrew or Greek word of that and then ordering all that and then counting all of that and then putting the definitions of all that together and then writing which, you know, he had to decide which fraction of the verse because he didn't put all the whole verse in there. He'd just write a few words before and after the word to let you know the context of that of that word there. And then... And then put that together in a book. And then now we could go and look up any word and find out every verse that it had in the Bible. Well, that, you know, and that stuck with us for 100 years. I mean, it was probably 100 years after he wrote that book that we finally got computers to do all that. Uh, but, um, 
uh, how much did that advance the studying of the Word of God? Well, it, it was an amazing amount, right? I mean, you could, because otherwise you just had to know every verse. You know, well, well where's faith? Well, let's see, I know it's Romans ten seventeen, and uh, Jesus said stuff, stuff about faith too, but it's somewhere in the gospel. I mean, would you know every verse, every reference of every verse? Uh, and then Vines, you know, uh, dictionary, you know, uh, expository dictionary of, uh, of uh, well, mostly of, of Greek, and then he added a, a, a shorter version for Hebrew. Um, you know, and then Nave's topical Bible, all those things that were, were significant turning points in the studying of the Word of God. Uh, well, we're supposed to add that to us. Now we can just push a button and we get all kinds of information. Uh, we still have to do our part to obtain the revelation that's behind all of that information. Uh, but we can do that now, and it doesn't take nearly as long. Amen? We can spend our time doing other things and, and reading more. You know, I tend, I tend to read, just read the Bible, you know. I mean, I study, but I also just read the Bible. Just read it, you know, uh, you know primarily the New Testament. But I'll read a whole book, you know, uh, just because I want to get the flavor of the author. You know, what, what were they trying to get across? Not just put, uh, pulling out verses out of context. Amen? Uh, and so, so that's what we're trying to do here with... Um, uh, Dr. Yeoman's books here uh, is to uh, obtain the revelation that God had given to her. And she'd seen spectacular miracles in, in her ministry in life over the years. And of course, the first chapter of her book, we finished it up last week, was really the, the study of her uh, life in, in the sense of how she was delivered from the drug addiction. Remember, she was addicted to morphine and to other drugs. She would use morphine to stay awake and to take other drugs to go to sleep which just seems kind of pathetic, right? I mean, it's sad that you've got to take drugs to wake up and drugs to go to sleep, you know? Uh, uh, and, uh, of course, I know, you know, my Bible said that, that he would give his, he, that he gives his beloved sweet sleep. Uh, and I understand people have to, have to do what they have to do, right? Uh, but you can use the Word of God, you know, if, if you have to take sleeping pills. You know, if, if I was taking sleeping pills right now in order to sleep, I would take my pill and I would read those two verses there, one's in Psalm 126 and then Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs 13, Read, read those two verses about uh, sleep. And before I went to sleep, I'd say, Lord, you give your beloved sweet sleep. And, and then I, I, my goal and my plan would be to get to a point where I didn't need to take sleeping pills. Amen. So again, you know, I'm not telling you to get off your medication. You know, you shouldn't do that without doctor's orders because you started it by doctor's orders, didn't you? So don't, don't just take, stop taking your medicine without doctors uh, informing you. You know, the Lord tells you what to do. That's fine. But don't do it because... I said, you don't need it, you know, uh, because if you need it, you need it. It's none of my business whether you need it or not. Uh, but, but whatever you do, do it in faith. If you're taking a pill, do it by faith. Yeah. Amen. Uh, if you're taking, uh, going to the doctor for regular uh, work that needs to be done, do it by faith. Amen. Yeah. Uh, that it's going to do what it's supposed to do and nothing else. And that it's going to be successful and without complications. And, you know, you can apply faith in every area of your life. Amen. Don't feel bad because you're not walking on, on water every day to work uh, and uh, that you're not Moses yet. You know, there was only one Moses in the whole Old Testament. And um, so, you know, it, it's uh, um, don't, don't allow the devil to condemn you and to pressure you into having the appearance of faith without actually having faith. Amen. Because he loves to get Christians to, to, to try to have the appearance of faith without actually having faith. And a lot of things have been done and people died, you know, because they had the appearance of faith. And I think I told you the story with Lester Summerall, who had a dear friend uh, that uh, attended a different church. And an evangelist came into their, their church and said, if you're taking medication, you're in sin because it's not a faith. 
Well, you know, it's technically possible to take medication by faith, right? It is definitely possible to do that. Uh, but, uh, but he said that if you're taking medication, you should stop because you're in sin and you need to repent. And so this man was on heart medication. He stopped taking and he died of a heart attack. And, uh, you know, uh, apparently that man had never met Lester Sharmal because if you ever met Lester Sharmal, you would never cross him because, you know, he'd chew you up, spit you out. You know, you didn't, wouldn't even realize how bad he was hurting until, until the next day, right? Uh, but, um, uh, but he was hot. Brother uh, Summerall was hot about that, mad about it, because this evangelist came in there and condemned people uh, and, and just said, well, you, need, you need to have the appearance of faith. Because if the Lord didn't tell him to stop taking his medication, then he's just trying to have the appearance of faith without actually having faith. Uh, and so uh, there's been too much of that in the charismatic world, right? Condemning people that, that, are, that are sick and not well. And well, you, your problem is you don't have faith. Well, maybe that's their problem, but it could be other things too. They could have just low self-esteem. That you know, who am I? Who would the, why would the Lord heal me? I know that's in essence an issue of faith, but that's not the, the their thing. You just believe the scriptures on healing. Uh, it, it could be other things. It could be a lot of things. Amen. Uh, and until you talk to somebody, you know, you really can't pinpoint what's the specific issue in their life. Amen. Uh, and so be careful about condemning anybody because you are, are you anybody's judge if you're nobody's judge then why are you judging somebody because they're not getting healed well if they were just living right they'd get healed you know i, I mean I, I can't even imagine saying those words because i know what the word says that you know uh to restore such a uh, one uh, uh, in a spirit of meekness look to yourself lest you also be tempted amen uh, and so we're, our job is not to condemn those who are not uh, healed our job is to help them find out why we know it's not an issue on God's side, uh, so it's somewhere on our side, but it could be sin. It could be, uh, it could be uh, not having their mind renewed that God would, would care to heal them because a lot of people believe God can. They're just not sure God will heal them. So, they, I mean, they have a certain amount of faith that God can heal, so it's not necessarily an issue of faith. It could be just they need their mind renewed that God desires to heal them. Uh, and so, I mean, you know, I know in, in essence, it's all faith because everything is faith, but what specific issue of faith do you have, right? Uh, and, um, you know, the doctors, uh, they'll keep asking questions to, to dial in exactly what the issue is, right? To dial in exactly what, what, the, uh, what you need specifically. Uh, and, and, you know, I told you my brother years ago was in the hospital and he was having heart problems. And the doctors tried this, did nothing helped. Tried that medication, nothing helped. And they kept trying things, you know, and that's why they call it practicing medicine. You know, let's try this, see what happens, right? You know, you never, you never want the doctor to come in. Well, we're going to, we're just going to try and see what happens. That's not the right answer, doctor. I want you to know. I want to know if this is going to fix it. Well, you know, we'll find out. Let's find out. You know, just go ahead and take this pill. You know, be all right. You know, more than likely, be all right. Good chance you'll live, right? Uh, and finally, you know, they were talking, and, and my brother said, "Well, you know, I just recently got a lot of uh, dental work done." And the doctor said, "I know what the problem is. You know, because apparently there there are a lot of germs and viruses that happen." Uh, if, you, if it's been a period of time that you've had your teeth cleaned or whatever, that a lot of times that those germs uh, will get released into your bloodstream from, from uh, your dental work and it attacks the heart. Uh, and so they, and they have medication just for that thing, right? Uh, so that medication doesn't work for something else and other medication doesn't work for that. So once you dial in and know exactly what the issue is, then they can fix the problem many times, amen? They're still operating, you know, for the most part, blindly, but um, because, you know, they get a medication. Well, it fixes that, but it also makes you have a sixth toe. So we know why, you know, we fix it, but we don't know why does this other toe thing over here, right? 
and you know because they don't they have limited knowledge as, as long as they've been studying they still have limited knowledge right because the body is an incredible machine that the lord designed uh, and so so the, so so her first chapter here was you know how she got uh, delivered from this uh, uh, addiction there and she didn't do it uh, by having hands laid upon her she didn't do it by a prophet uh, prophesying over her or somebody casting a devil out of her she did it by faith. Uh, and, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that, that it's wrong if you have to have hands laid on you, obviously, because the Lord gave us that ministry, didn't he, of laying on a hand. So it can't be wrong to have hands laid upon you. But it's helpful to have some victories in your own life. Amen. Uh, and so, and, but she had tried other things, but she said, you know, that her biggest issue was she just wasn't willing to give it up for the Lord, right? She, she uh, kind of wanted to have it done without her having to give up anything for the Lord. And, and sometimes uh, the only solution is to give everything up uh, for the Lord. And then if you're willing to do that, then the Lord's able to help you. But uh, so sometimes it takes a while to figure that out. Uh, and so we finished up that chapter. So now we have our questions. I know you didn't have a chance to answer all of them, but we'll see how close we can get, right? Uh, and so, um, so we're going to go easy on you on this chapter. Everything other, every other chapter, we're going to grade you and you know give you... Uh, who doesn't, you don't, you have, you got a study guide? You, all right. Well, you hand that to Miss Angela there. All right. So now you're going to have a test here, Miss Angela. So, well, this is the best kind of school, right? There's no grades, right? Uh, and so, uh, and you get promoted every time you finish the class, right? So, uh, so the first question is faith is a, faith is a gift. It must be what? Appropriated, right? So you all been answering your questions while I've been talking up here this whole time, right? That's what you all been doing. That's why no one's paying attention to me, right? <laughs> so faith is a gift that must be appropriated. So you have to do something about it. Amen. Uh, you, we do know that according to Romans 12, 3, that, that we've been given a measure of faith. Uh, we've been, the Bible says that we've been given the measure of faith. So uh, we all have the measure of faith that's necessary to live our lives, but that we know that that measure can grow, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you want more faith, it's yours to appropriate if you want it. If you don't want more faith, then just stay with the faith that you've got, right? But hopefully uh, you desire more faith, and so you can go and appropriate any time that you want to. Uh, and so uh, question number two says, when God says faith, he means what? Faith. faith. That's kind of a Captain Obvious statement there, I know. But when he says faith, he means faith, right? Uh, without faith, it's, it's what? Impossible to please him. So when he said that uh, there's no other way to please him except by faith, then he means there's no other way to please him except by faith. Amen. Uh, and so uh, there's and there's many things he said did you you know if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed so what did he mean by that he meant that for you to have the faith of a grain of mustard seed right uh, and so uh, question number three is name three reasons dr yeomans wasn't healed after much prayer and this is really i think the key of this particular chapter there anybody know what's one of them she didn't believe so so, so um Yes, it says she didn't believe the simple statement of the word of God. So, you know, there's a lot of simple statements in the word of God. You know, by his stripes you were healed. That's a pretty simple statement, right? Uh, and yet, how many people just don't believe that? Uh, and, and, and he meant physical healing, right? Uh, because he was, that's where the stripes were, was his, were in his physical body. Uh, and so, she didn't believe the simple statement of the word of God. Uh, and, and so, therefore, it couldn't be manifested because of her unbelief. Uh, and the last one was, it says, she shut the door and prevented the power of God from operating unhindered in her body. 
And so a lot of that, you know, she, and she had to work this out for her. Her path was she, she was going to have to obtain this healing uh, by, um, uh, by faith, right? Uh, and of course, I guess uh, later on, she did say she got some help from, from um, uh, John Alexander Dowie, though, right? So she, she did apply her faith and then got, she did get some help there later on. Uh, and so, but if she hadn't done, if she hadn't laid the groundwork of her faith, I don't believe she would have been able to be successful uh, even under uh, uh, Dowie's ministry there. Uh, and question number four says, uh, why didn't she have faith? She didn't have light enough to take it, right? Uh, and so what, she, what does she mean by that? She didn't have the revelation that she needed. You know, the revelation, um, you know, revelation, the word of God is is... is the revealed word of God, right? It's, it's revelation that comes from heaven. But you have to mix the word of God with the spirit of God in order to get that revelation. If you're just reading it as a textbook or you're reading it a, as a carnal person or as a secular reading, you're going to miss the, the aspect of the spirit of God. Uh, and you should always approach the word of God from the standpoint of, Lord, uh, uh, your word is revealed by your spirit. And, and I need your spirit to reveal your word to me. Uh, and so you can read all the scriptures on healing that you want to, but if you're not getting the revelation of that, uh, if you're not allowing the Spirit of God to speak to you what that means, then you're going to miss out on the faith that it provides because the, uh, before you can have faith, uh, we know that it's the Word of God, right? That, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, but between the Word of God and faith is the revelation of the Spirit of God. And until you have that revelation, that faith, that Word belongs to you, it's not going to do you any good because then otherwise it's just words on paper. And there's no revelation in words on paper. There's only revelation when the Spirit of God speaks that, that verse to you. Uh, and, you know, and it's not like it's the sky's part and he speaks to you in an audible voice. It's just the revelation that that verse belongs to you, that by his stripes you were healed. And when you read that and you go, yeah, that's me. Uh, by his stripes I was healed. And when you see that, See, that's the light that you need, right? That's the revelation that you need. And she didn't have that. You know, she had the, the mental knowledge that God heals, that Jesus healed when he was on the earth, but she didn't have, she didn't have the revelation that he desires to heal her. Uh, and a lot of times people will, uh, the hindrance in that is all their crazy thinking. Well, God would never heal someone like me. I've made too many mistakes for God to heal me. Um, you know, I've been so unworthy that God wouldn't heal me. And yet, didn't Jesus heal the man that was born by four there in Luke chapter five? What did he do before he healed the man? He forgave him of his sins, right? So even if you were somebody who made mistakes, couldn't you be like the man born by four who, who gets your sins forgiven first and then uh, you're qualified to receive healing? See, that's the light that you need. That doesn't matter what your hindrance is. God's got an answer for that if you're willing to yield to him, if you're willing to... to um, uh, to submit to him amen uh, and so but she didn't have that light she didn't have that revelation and so you know part of it is she was clearly not going to a word church right i mean if she went to if you went to this church she'd have got the healing revelation a long time ago right i mean you know if after all these years and she still didn't have it you know be like well maybe we need to have a remedial class i mean i don't know you know but uh, if you hadn't figured out by now it's the will of god for you to be healed you know maybe we have to have you know like a beginner's class right for healing uh but uh, she didn't have enough light so it's question number five is, what are the three ways she approached the word of God? 
Anybody remember those three ways? Any of those three ways? So the first way is that she plunged into it with full purpose of heart. And, you know, I think that's really an issue today if you ask your average Christian, how much of the Bible do you read? I mean, the Word of God, specifically the Bible, not books about the Bible, because a lot of people read books about the Bible. You know, they read, you know, somebody's, you know, book of this. And, and you know, it's been my observation, and maybe part of it's just me, because I want to read a book that, it, that opens the Bible up for me, that tells me why the Bible says what it says. I'm not interested in a bunch of, you know, pop culture, you know, emotional, psychological babble stuff. You know, just, that's just, that's just not me, because... That ain't going to help me. What helps me is when God says, I have a choice. That's all I got to know, right? Then that, that answers a lot of other questions for me, right? Uh, well, why, you know, that's just the way that I am. You know, I would never say stuff like that, you know, because, I mean, that says then that then means God can't, that God can't fix me, right? I like the way Paul said, Paul said, I am what I am by what? The grace of God. Now, that's okay to say that, right? But just to say, that's just the way that I am. You know, God loves, God accepts me the way that I am. Uh, I mean, uh, so you need to plunge into the word of God with full purpose of heart. If you want, if you want the blessings of the Lord, you've got to be in his word. You cannot receive the blessings of the Lord apart from his word. Uh, and so you, you need to, to plunge into it with full, full purpose of heart. Uh, I mean, if people would read the Bible, just the text of the word of God, as diligently as they read other books, even biblical books, right? Books by biblical authors. If they would read just the word of God with the same diligence, they'll read, you know, a 500 page or 300 page, you know, book that somebody's written. And of course, we're reading Dr. Yeoman's books on healing. Right. But, uh, you know, hopefully you can read the Bible as much as you read that book right there. Right. Uh, because a lot of times we want to we, we we want the revelation without the effort to get it. Right. And so. Um, so the second thing that she did, uh, uh, what are the three ways when she approached she plunged into a full purpose of heart. The second thing, to do all that God told her to do. Uh, so when the word of God says for you to do something, right, uh, then, then be diligent and be faithful to do everything that God t- tells you to do in his word, right? Uh, be obedient to his word. And the last thing she said that she did was she decided to believe all that he said. Uh, and, um, you know, there's a story. The little girl came to church one day and she had a cover of the Bible. She had the front cover. She had the back cover of the Bible. Nothing else. Nothing in between. And the, the pastor said, uh, well, you know, why do you have just the front and back cover of the Bible? She said, well, every time you said that verse wasn't for us today, I'd rip it out of my Bible. And this is what's left. You know, just the front cover, the back cover, right? Uh, and, you know, that's the way some people are, right? They, well, I, you know, I believe everything about God. What about healing? Well, not healing. Well, what about prosperity? Not prosperity. What about him speaking to you? Well, not, no, not that. What about miracles? No, that didn't. No. What's left after you do, you know, after you you know, what about the devil? No, I don't believe it. What about hell? No, there's no such thing as hell. You know what? I mean, it's just like, well, what do you believe? Well, I believe, you know, that there's maps. You know, I believe the maps, you know, that, that Paul went there, you know. And, I mean, you know, you wonder why people believe things. You know, what do they, what do they believe at all? Um, and so that's the three, three things she did when she approached the Word of God. And those three, the, those three things, I think, would be good for all of us to do, right? Every time we uh, approach the Word of God, plunge into it with a full purpose of heart. I'm going to get everything in here that it says that I can have. To do all that God has told me to do and believe all that he said. Uh, and then question number six says, which book of the Bible has a clear teaching on healing in the atonement? Job thirty-three twenty-four. right? Then he is gracious unto him and said, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Uh, 
And, you know, there is a statement that people say that, that healing is not in the atonement, right? The atonement was when the blood was shed on the cross, right? Uh, and and uh, you remember the Old Testament that uh, they would, uh, the day of atonement was when they killed the goat and they took the blood and put it on the mercy seat. Well, that's the atonement, right? Uh, and they said the sins were paid for in the atonement, but not healing. But then, then how do you reconcile 1 Peter 2.24, right? Uh, and whose own self bear sins in the body on the tree that we be in debt to sin should live in the righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. So it's got sin at the first part of the verse and healing at the second part of the verse. And it's all talking about the cross uh, and the work at the cross, right? By his stripes. When did Jesus receive stripes as part of the condemnation uh, of the cross? Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I don't know where people get this stuff from, right? I mean, it's like PhD in stupidity, but, uh, but, you know, usually what it is is they have a goal and they, they work backwards from the goal that God doesn't heal. Therefore, everything they see in the scriptures, they have to shoehorn that verse into that 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 wrong conclusion that uh, that by his tribe. Well, that's talking about that's not, not talking about natural healing. I mean, uh, if you follow that rabbit path from Isaiah 53 to Matthew 8, 17 to first Peter 2, 24. Uh, the evidence of what it's talking about is specifically, in fact, you know, in fact, just turn over to Matthew eight seventeen, because that by his stripes you were healed is the quote from Isaiah 53. And just to, because God is smarter than all of us, he made sure that when he quoted Isaiah 53, uh, and when he first wrote it in Isaiah and 700 years later, when he wrote uh, the Gospels there, uh, and then uh, not long after that, he wrote First Peter, that he said here uh, in verse 16 that when evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils and cast out the spirits with his word and healed how many? All that were sick. What kind of, in what realm were they sick? In the natural realm, in their bodies, right? Uh, because just before that, he rebuked the fever from Peter's mother-in-law. So he, he healed her of her fever and then he healed, physically healed all that were sick that that might be fulfilled, which was prophesied by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That's from Isaiah 53, verse 4. And, and then, of course, 1 Peter 2, 24 is also a quote from Isaiah 53. So he specifically was showing us that uh, the, the fulfillment of Isaiah 53 was specifically for bodily healing, not for spiritual healing, right? In fact, there's no such thing as spiritual healing. Uh, we love to say that, you know, I, I need healing in my spirit, you know. You probably need the mother, you know, it's probably need something else, but not that, right? Uh, now, if you're born again, uh, you don't need spiritual healing. You're already made brand new. Uh, and so you're, you're reborn as a perfect child, amen? There are no flaws in your spirit when you're born again. And because it's sealed by the Holy Ghost, you will never have flaws in your spirit all the days of your, of your life on this earth. Uh, and so... You will never be in a position that you need spiritual healing. Uh, and so, uh, and, and I don't like that people say, well, I need emotional healing. You don't even like to say that either because that's not really, I mean, you get into a lot of psychology when you get into that kind of stuff, right? Um, you do, there is healing the brokenhearted. Jesus talked about that. Uh, but it's not really talking about emotional healing because in all of his ministry, did you ever see Jesus lay hands on people for emotional healing? No, there's never any evidence. So he must have been talking about something else. And that's that's not for today. But uh, so uh, but we love to 
we love to pull things out of the natural world into the church and say, well, I need emotional healing. Uh, and yet there's, that's not a biblical doctrine at all. And yet people love that particular doctrine. And, and what you'll find is people who believe that doctrine, they will stay in that state pretty much all of their life. They will always need some level of, of emotional healing because they never obtain it because it's not a biblical doctrine. And so um, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that, that that's been pushed in the church by psychologists and psychiatrists. And I'm not opposed to psychologists and psychiatrists. They have their place like any other medical industry has. But, uh, but we live by the Bible. We live by faith. Amen. And, we, and, and we're going to teach things. We teach what the Bible says. We don't add to it uh, what the world says because that diminishes the word of God. Amen. We're going to teach the Bible as here's where we live at 100%. Now, if you need help getting there, you know, by going out to the medical world and getting some assistance there, we're not opposed to that. But we're, gonna, we're not going to add that to the Word of God. That's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to teach faith from the Word of God and, and aspire to that. Uh, and if you need help along the way, no problem with that. You know, Don't be condemned about it. But don't try to then say, well, that's how all of us should get it because that's not what the Word teaches. Amen? So we're going to go with what the Word says. Uh, and so Job um, delivered him from going down to the pit. Amen? Uh, and did Job get healing for his body? He did, didn't he? Amen. He got healing uh, for, all, for all of his sickness that he, that he lived in. Um, and then uh, question number seven says, how did the people of Israel march out of Egypt? There was not one feeble person among their tribes, right? Uh, and, and she specifically said, through the wonder-working power of the blood of the Passover lamb. Uh, and then she also referenced Psalm 105, 37. I think it'd be good just to read that Psalm just so you know where it's, where it's at. Uh, but in Psalm 105, 37 gives us some, some information here. And, you know, you, you wonder about this because we didn't know this until Psalm 105 was written. So I don't know how they know these things, but that's what the Spirit of God speaks to people, right? But Psalm 105, uh, verse 37 says, He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Uh, and, you know, isn't, isn't that an amazing statement, right? Not one feeble person among their tribes. Uh, and we know just, you know, just doing some math that that was roughly, you know, one to two, maybe even three million people that came out of uh, out of Egypt there. Uh, and so, um, I mean, you can get uh, three people together nowadays and, you know, two of them are probably sick. Right. Uh, and so. Um, and so um, that didn't have to be that way. But, you know, how often do you get together with a group of people that somebody and there's not feeling well. Right. Or, or has some chronic sickness or disease. We're not condemning people. It's just uh, for an entire million group of people to be to to leave and not be feeble. Not a single one, right? Not one was feeble among their tribes. That's that in itself is a miracle, right? Uh, and that that is uh, that is evidence of uh, the will of God and the desire of God. Uh, and of course, you can't separate the verse there because the first part of it says He brought them forth with silver and gold. You know that's you know what's wrong with having silver and gold. Amen. How many, uh, how many uh, sermons have have you seen or heard about that people preach that uh, prosperity is of the devil? The prosperity message is of the devil, you know. And and uh, it's like, well, you know, you sound like like uh, uh, Judas, right? Uh, he's the only one ever complained about prosperity, right? Uh, and so, uh, has there been abuses in prosperity? Absolutely, there have been, right? But I'm still going to preach the truth, what the Word of God teaches. And, you know, and if somebody chooses to abuse that, you know, someone 
got, uh, was telling me how they couldn't stand uh, Brother Hagin because so many people that came out of Brother Hagin's camp taught terrible things about prosperity. Now, they didn't give any specifics, right? It's like, well, n- well name one. There are. There are just people out there doing that. Well, name one. G- give me a, g- show me, a, show me a, where they've done it, you know? Well, I, I just know they've done that. Well, it's like, whatever, you know? But just because uh, even if that was true, which I don't believe is true, but even if that's true, is that Brother Hagin's fault? Because Brother Hagin never taught anything out, outside the Word of God when it came to prosperity. In fact, he was very, uh, people didn't really much like his prosperity message because it was very, uh, very basic, right? Give to the Lord. Don't be ostentatious. Don't desire to, to die with the most toys, you know? Just live a, a full, satisfied life and give as much as you can, right? I think you quote one minister who said, you know, make all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Uh, and that's a pretty good way to live, right? Uh, because if you're giving all you can, Jesus said, given it what shall be what? Given unto you, right? So if you're really living according to the word, you can't help but to be prosperous. Because if you're doing what he says, he said, with good measure, press down, shaken together, running over. So when he said, just barely give you, uh, he said, with good measure, press down, shaken together, running over. So, you know, why people ignore significant verses like that, that Jesus himself spoke to us, you know? Uh, and, and, and instead of what they should be doing is teaching uh, self-control, right? Teaching well, how to be prosperous without being absurd, right? You know, well, I want a gold-plated, you know, uh, uh, air-conditioned doghouse, you know, for my dog, you know? Uh, and, and, I mean, I could care less if you have a gold-plated air-conditioned doghouse, you know, none of my business. But if you do that and say, look how prosperous I am, and you point to your gold-plated doghouse, that's, you know, a gold-plated doghouse is not the measure of your prosperity, right? But that's the way it was back in the 80s. Anybody remember that? It's like who had the race to have the biggest house, biggest car. Uh, and, um, you know, there was a lot of abuses in the area of, of uh, finance. And there still are. People come in and say, you know, you owe me money and, you know, I need to be the richest minister and whatever. And, uh, and you know, there's a lot of ministers that I, I'm not a fan of because the, their doctrine related to finances to me is out of balance. Uh, and, you know, we're here to, to advance the kingdom of heaven. And every penny we have uh, can and should go to that effort. And, and in order for that to happen, we have to be prosperous in and of ourselves to, to fund the Great Commission. Amen? To go into all the world. You can't go into all the world unless you're prosperous enough to go into all the world, right? And I'll tell you what some, one person told me one time. They told, they told me that as a church, we should never go on mission trips. And I said, well, why not? They said, it's too expensive. Well, this is the dumbest thing I have ever heard in my life. I mean, you know, that's, I mean, that's like right up there. You know, there's three or four things that are really, really dumb that I've heard. That, that's because Jesus said, go into all the world. Now we go to heaven and he said, did you go in the world? Well, Lord, I didn't go in all the world. Well, what'd you do? I stayed around Dayton, you know, I drove up and down the highway, you know, went down to the grocery store, you know, I preached in all the street corners, Lord, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even go to Spring City. Well, why not? Have you seen the price of gas, Lord? I mean, it's absurd. You know, I can't afford that. And besides that, I don't want to waste my money. I can't. Uh, you know, uh, uh, if, if I got to pay all that money for gas, you know, I'm wasting the Lord's money. I'm a, I'm a steward of the money of God, you know, the blessings of the Lord. Uh, and so I, 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 there's no way I'd pay a, a plane ticket. That's, the, that's, that's crazy, Lord. I, there's no way. But what I tell you to do, go to all the world. Well, why don't you do that? It's expensive, Lord. You see the price of, of, uh, of airline tickets? Got to wear masks and everything now? It's crazy, Lord. No, so, so you didn't do my, you're saying you didn't do what I asked you to do. Well, Lord, but you understand, right? It's because it was, it was too expensive. Well, did I, did I not know that when I told you to do that? Did I say go into all the world until the price of airline tickets was too much or until the price of a train ticket was too much or the price of 
gasoline was too much. Did I say there was a limit? He didn't say there was a limit. So you think that excuse is going to fly when you get to heaven? Lord, I didn't go anywhere. I'm spe- I didn't go anywhere, Lord. Here's all your money back. Who's that sound like? Sounds like the man with the talent, right? Here's your talent back, right? Because I figured you'd get mad at me if I spent any money on travel, Lord. So I didn't spend a penny on travel. Here's all your money back. The Lord's just going to be like, go to the back of the line. Just, and think about what you just said for about another million years because you've got about seven billion in front of you. You're going to the back of the line right now, right? Uh, I mean, that's, there's just absurd things like that, right? The, the, and so uh, the Bible says that with silver and gold, he brought them forth out of Egypt. Amen. Of course, immediately what they do, they melted their gold into a cap, right? <laughs> so some people, you know, some people, they can never be prosperous because they'll ruin them, right? Uh, now, did the Lord still prosper them sometimes? He did, right? He got, brought them out with silver and gold. I mean, they all came out with silver and gold and made a cap. But that's what got us out of Egypt. You really don't believe that, do you, right? I mean, you just really made that just five seconds ago, right? Uh, and so, uh, so uh, question number eight says, in the book of Numbers, how was every recorded case of healing dealt with? Supernatural, right? Supernatural means of uh, prayer and sacrifice and atonement. Uh, but they were supernatural, right? Uh, and, of course, uh, she made a point. Uh, I don't know if it was in this chapter. It might have been another chapter about uh, how Moses, remember Moses? Where did he grow up? Egypt. Who, who trained him and taught him? Egyptians, right? Uh, I mean, he was tra- taught by the, he was basically the son of Pharaoh, right? So you think he had the best instructors? You think they taught him everything they knew about Egypt? About all the secrets of Egypt and all the herbs and spices and, you know, McGillicuddy switches and whatever they had in, in, in Egypt to fix things? He probably knew about them all. How many did he employ when, when they came uh, across the, the Red Sea? None. How, how were they healed entirely in the book of Numbers? A supernatural means, right? So were they, did he ever say, well, we, we know about this herb over in Egypt, right? If you, if you smear some of this on there, you know, it'll really fix, it'll it really do you up good, right? And, uh, he wasn't opposed to that, but, you know, an herb's one thing, but supernatural power of God, you got an upgrade, right? So um, that's not to diminish those things, but some people spend their whole life, if I could just find that secret herb from Egypt, I think I'd be okay. Well, that may be true. It may not be true because they didn't know everything, but, you know, it might be true. But at the same time, wouldn't it be better to find the secret uh, power of God to get healing? Wouldn't that be a better, wouldn't that be an upgrade? I mean, that's what Moses did in the book of Numbers. He could have employed the secrets of Egypt, but he didn't, not a single time. Never even mentioned them ever again after he left Egypt. Uh, and, uh, but he did mention the power of God, right? He's the one who wrote, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Amen. Uh, and so... Uh, he said in question number nine says, what did God promise in Deuteronomy regarding healing? He said, uh, what's that? To take away all sickness uh, from his obedient people, right? And that's really the key is from his obedient people. And we notice just by observation that every time that the nation of Israel was obedient, how much sickness was in their midst? None, right? Only when they were disobedient was there sickness among them. And so, so was God punishing them? No, it's every time they were in disobedience, they got out of the will of God and opened themselves up for the work of the devil. God never, never blessed them with sickness, right? Uh, and so he said, if you're obedient, so really, uh, has anything changed? Um, if we're obedient to the Lord, can we, can we expect to live uh, healthy, sick-free lives? Sure we can, right? Uh, and so you're not earning it by your obedience because 
you already get the healing as part of the covenant agreement with the Lord. So it already belongs to you. You're just uh, not messing it up. You know, you, you ever notice people, uh, you know, I've observed this over the years, that there are some people who are incapable of living in the blessings of the Lord. That if things are going good, they will find some way to mess it up. Uh, and, 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 it, and it's beyond me why they do that, how they do that. You know, it's just like they're going along fine and they just quit their job or, you know, the Lord's wanting to bless them and promote them and they'll just, they'll just quit whatever they're doing. Uh, or just, you know, uh, some, one guy stopped by here one time and said, hey, you know, I need some help. Well, what's wrong? You know, I don't have a job. Well, uh, were you working? Yeah, I was working at, you know, I was working at Lazy Boy. In fact, they said I was working at Lazy Boy. I said, what happened? Well, the, the manager said something I didn't like, so I just quit. I said, so how's that working out for you? Um, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, you could stay at Lazy Boy forever. Most people, they start and they, they, and they retire from Lazy Boy 40 years later, right? Because it's a good job, you know, good benefits. You know, I know they work hard, but it's still a good job, good benefits, you know. Uh, and you're not, you know, you're not digging a ditch somewhere in 100 degree weather. Uh, uh, and so, uh, you know, I don't know anything about, you know, you work there if you want to. I don't care. I'm just saying, saying that, you know, it's a, it pays your bills, right? Uh, and, um, and overall, it's a pretty good place to work. Uh, and so I know plenty of people who worked there for decades. Uh, and, uh, but he got mad and quit. Now he's needing assistance. Well, you know, uh, well, why is that? Well, because some people, they just have a hard time staying obedient to the Lord. And, and just uh, because what you'll find is if you're if you are faithful over a long period of time, you will be continually blessed over a long period of time. And what happens, people, they're faithful for a day or a week or a month. And then they go backslide, you know, for that, for, from the Lord for whatever reason. They'll come back, you know, but they kind of have to start back over and figure out faithfulness again. Uh, and so the, the, there's always blessings on the backside of obedience there. And the question number 10 says, how did Dr. Yeomans receive perfect soundness in her body? What's that? She ate the word of God. She did talk about that earlier there uh, in this particular uh, answer here uh, she was talking about in the context of it by faith in the name of Jesus of Nazareth so by faith in the name of Jesus of Nazareth so she she had to develop that faith in the name of Jesus right because you have to have faith remember what, what Peter said in uh, Acts 316 it says uh, by his name through faith in his name this man has been made well because uh, they were saying you know, how you know how do you get better well, by his name through faith in his name though not just by his name, you have to add faith in his name for it to actually work. So she had faith in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. So, um, so she got out of it, which was great. It was a great testimony. And then really from that point on, she spent the rest of her adult life in the area of ministry, right? In the area of um, um, uh, specifically in the healing ministry. Uh, and um, uh, really until she died, I think a week uh, or a year to the date uh, after Pearl Harbor. Uh, and so she did really well in her life, amen. Uh, and no doubt, you know, she doesn't talk a lot about it, but I can I can guarantee you that there were times when she was tempted to go back to uh, those drugs, right? Because she was always her. The, the 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 we talked a little bit about this last week about how you know she was that type A personality, just a go getter all the time. And that's who God made her. Uh, and so she used drugs to kind of uh, allow that personality to, to maintain itself. Uh, and uh, no doubt as she went on in life that she was on occasion uh, tempted to go back to 
uh, to those drugs to maintain that ability to, to stay in that type 1 personality or type A personality. Uh, but um, I suppose just in reading her, in reading her um, stories here that uh, she was well able to overcome those temptations, amen? Because some people, uh, you know, I know uh, some of the great ministers of old, especially in the healing revival, some of them were alcoholics. Uh, and uh, one, one minister in particular uh, uh, had gotten the, the uh, victory over the alcoholism and became a great healing evangelist, but then ended up dying of alcohol poisoning. You know, so uh, it looks, it, the, the, we don't know everything, but it looks like that he fell back into that same uh, uh, temptation of drinking the alcohol until he was sick. Uh, and if you've been out of that for a while, you know, alcoholics have the ability to consume vast quantities of alcohol. If you gave a normal person that amount of alcohol, it would probably kill them from alcohol poisoning. But an alcoholic, because they're, they're, they're basically, you know, already pickled, uh, they, they have the ability to do that, right? But if you get out of that for a long period of time and then go back, you know, your body has, has, uh, has recovered itself and is not used to that level of alcohol. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that he ended up dying alcoholism but uh you know miss uh dr yeomans you know she she lived a good long life uh died in her 80s and um uh, never fell back into that particular temptation again amen and so we'll pick up next week uh she starts talking about god's will as revealed in his creative work and and uh, you know every book that we ever study is going to have to talk about god's will for healing amen uh and i like the way that she approaches that particular question there uh, because that's that's always a question, right? That's always, is it God's will to heal me? Uh, and so we'll talk about that next week. So uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for blessing us, Father, for speaking to us, for giving us good things in your word, Father, to study, to understand, to read. And so, Father, we thank you that we can appropriate all the blessings of heaven and live lives free from sickness and disease all the days of our lives, Father, and live as long as we desire uh, up until the, the limit that you've placed uh, upon mankind and so father we thank you for that uh, we thank you for the faith of your word father the truth of your word we believe it to be so and believe it to be for us today specifically for us father and so lord we thank you for that we give you the praise and the honor for it lord in jesus name amen well praise god so one chapter done right i mean uh, that's pretty good because i think we spent six months in the first chapter for brother Bosworth's book uh, but um, and what you'll find is in these books, in, in these particular books for Dr. Yeomans, is some chapters will go really quick because it, a lot of it is sometimes just stories, you know, uh, testimonies. So not a lot of doctrine to review, mostly just some stories. And the stories are good, uh, and they they encourage us, you know. So that's that's really what we talked about. That she's really more of an exhorter, more so than maybe a teacher of the word. Which is fine, no problem with all of that, because uh, to be exhorted means to be encouraged, right? To, to follow after the Lord. And so these things are helpful to our faith. And so we'll go through that. I think this next chapter, she's got quite a few verses there that we'll look at. So praise God. Well, Jared, come ahead. We'll receive this afternoon's offering. And uh, everybody has a book now, right? Everybody has a study guide. So uh, now we're not going to have any mercy on you. You know, next time we're going to get all the questions right, right? Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared. And I don't know how long this next chapter is. Oh, yeah, we might be on there a little, a little time there. So. Um, so there's 122 pages of notes uh, from these books here. So uh, we'll see how, how quick we get through all that, right? Uh, but the Lord is good, amen?
Uh, and, uh, and I think you'll enjoy this book here because uh, to me it's, uh, it's helpful to have somebody uh, that lived through these, this ministry and did these things and, and now is delivering that revelation to us that she's learned over the, all these years. And I remember I was talking to somebody. They said, yeah, I follow so-and-so. But they were preaching. They said, well, I never see any miracles in my ministry. I'm thinking, why are you following? I mean, why? What, what, they got? what can they add to you, right? I mean, just knowledge, you know, facts and figures. You know, there's 66 books in the Bible, you know, 31,100 verses. You know what I mean, is that, is that going to get you over the line, you know? I want somebody who knows, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, I fought through by faith and overcame, you know. Oh, tell me how you did that, right? Uh, so praise God. We'll be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend, Lord, and we'll see you next Sunday.